0: Is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Through education, motivation, and implementation, we will bridge the gap between knowing and doing so we can master fat loss naturally and help you reach your highest potential. Let's get started. Hey, everybody, thank you so much for joining me today. Elizabeth Benton here. Really appreciate you spending a bit of your time with me. I've got to kick off with an apology. First and foremost, for the audio quality on today's episode, I made the conscious choice to record this without a microphone because of my time constraints, and I put getting the podcast out there with imperfect audio over not getting the podcast out there until later with perfect audio. So hopefully this can be just a chance for us to all not sweat the small stuff. And not freak out about sub quality um, audio. That's the deal. We are going to be diving into your questions again today, which is so much fun for me. That's what we did in episode 477. I put my feelers out there to ask what's going on with you? What are you unsure about? What are you struggling with? What do you want to know about me? What do you want my opinion on? So many responses came in. We tackled some of the questions in 477. We're going to do it again today. And here's why. As I've shared with you before, I don't see this podcast as my platform to say what's on my mind. I see this as my opportunity to help you. And in order to do that, I've got to know what's up. What are you struggling with? What feels hard? Where are you con- where are you confused related to your goals? And how can I help? So this is so much fun for me, but I don't want anybody to be bummed out if they have a question and didn't send it to me, send it to me now. You can leave a comment on the show notes over at primalpotential.com. You can DM me on Instagram. I'm super easy to find on Instagram, at Elizabeth Benton. That's probably where I spend the most of my social media time. Or you can email me. I have a ton of questions I want to get through today because so many of you had questions about me personally, about nutrition, about fat loss, about mindset, and I don't want to rush these, but I also do try to keep the episodes less than an hour. I think the sweet spot is 20 to 30 minutes. Obviously, sometimes we go longer than that, but if we start creeping over the 40-minute mark, I might end up bumping this out a few weeks to answer the next couple of questions a couple weeks from now, Uh, but we'll see how it goes because I don't want to rush. Everybody who asked a question deserves an unrushed answer. Before we get to the questions, which is super important to me, I want to let you guys know that I took care of something I had dropped the ball on with you. It has taken me longer than it normally takes me to get the wait list up for my next coaching groups. As I shared with you guys about a month or so ago, I won't be working with new clients this summer, but I will be in the fall. This summer, I will continue working with veterans, so people who have been through my coaching programs more than once, or this would be their second time through. I will still have veteran groups over the summer, but I won't have any new groups until the fall. Lots of you have been like, how do I get on the wait list? And I didn't have it up yet, but it is up now. So you can get on the wait list to learn more about what it means to work with me or to make sure that you're one of the first people to have access because those spaces are limited. We'll start in the early fall, but I do not have an exact date yet. I do not have exact details yet. But if you are interested, your first step is just getting on that wait list. Easy ways to do it, just go to primalpotential.com. Right in the upper right-hand corner, you will see Work With Me. Click that, and you'll see where to drop in your name and email address for the wait list. Alternatively, you can go to the show notes page for today's episode. There will be a link there under the word resources, or For those of you in the United States, you can get on the wait list via text message. All you have to do if you're in the United States is text the word FALL18. That's F-A-L-L-1-8. You're just going to text the word FALL18 to the number 33444. So you text FALL18 to the number 33444. Then you get a response that says, hey, thanks, what's your email address? And then the only thing you type in the text response, not hi, you're welcome, or anything like that, all it will accept is your email address. If you type in anything goofy, like, hey, e, then it doesn't see your email address and you're not on the wait list. So let me just go through that again. If you join via text message, that's cool. You just text FALL18, no space, F-A-L-L-1-8. To the number 33444, you will see a response almost immediately that says, great, thanks. What's your email address? Just put your email address. No questions, no comments, no highs, no buys. It only can read the email address. And so it errors out if you put a whole bunch of other stuff, just your email address. I'm confident that we can all be on the same page there. Let's dive into those questions. The first one came from Instagram from Melissa. She says, thank you so much for all the motivation. I've turned so many friends onto your podcast. I've lost 30 pounds so far, and I no longer hate what I see in the mirror, but I want to stay motivated because I'm not where I want to be. How do you stick with your healthy choices even when you don't hate your body? I tend to want to say yes more because I've been saying no to so many things for the past one and a half years. Most importantly, congratulations on your amazing progress that is fantastic. Secondly, this is 1000% perspective. I don't want anybody making choices because they hate their body. Because first of all, that's just a really unpleasant way to live, but maybe more importantly, as is the issue here, if you have the motivating factor of I'm doing this because I hate my body, then as is the issue here with Melissa, You have no motivating factor when you don't hate your body anymore, and that is why so many people regain weight. If you are eating what you eat, you're eating when you eat, you're working out how you work out to change how you look, then you're screwed when you don't want to change how you look anymore, when you want to maintain, and that's what happens. You start giving in to all of these things. You need a motivating force that works for you forever if you want your results to last forever. For me personally, I can relate to really hating my body at times. But you have to get to the point, and it sounds like this is where Melissa is at right now, where you're not motivated because you're mad at yourself or you're trying to change yourself. You're motivated because you love yourself. You want to take amazing care of yourself. That's my driving force, right? My drive every day is to feel amazing, My drive every day is to take impeccable care of myself, not because I want to change, but because I want to feel my best and I want to be as happy as possible. When I don't make choices that make me feel amazing, I'm not as happy. I'm not as energetic. I'm not as eager to spend time with people. I'm more likely to withdraw. You get to choose your motivator. And no matter if you're 400 pounds and you don't like your body or you're 160 pounds and you do like your body... You still get to choose your motivator, and I think it's far more effective long-term to choose the perspective of, I want to take amazing care of myself. That is how I feel about that. All right, somebody asked, what is my favorite Neil Diamond song, my Elizabeth personal favorite Neil Diamond song? tough question. If I had to pick one, and I can't say I listen to Neil Diamond on the regular, uh, but I would say the song America by Neil Diamond. All right, the next question came in via direct message on Instagram, and it just says, Elizabeth, what are your fears? And I struggled with this for a while because when I think of anything off the top of my head, for example, not having a forever relationship Ending up alone, my mind so quickly goes to what I can do about it. And there's a lot I can do about that. And because there's so much I can do about it, I don't need to fear it. If I can influence it, I don't fear it. I just get to work. So the big common things that were the first to come to mind, I feel like I can influence those things. And so I don't fear them. I will say, though, I don't love heights. Uh, I don't love being alone at night, though I'm alone basically every night. So I guess those are as close as I can come to fears. Next question came in via email and it says, Do we have to eat every two to three hours to maintain blood sugar? No. Can you eat every two to three hours to maintain blood sugar? Yeah. Do you need to? No. And I want everybody to think about it from sort of a common sense perspective, which is always my go-to, and it's never meant to imply that the question isn't common sense. It's just when I try to think of answers, I go to the most, we don't need the science to understand things from a common sense perspective. Think back 75 years, your grandparents. They ate breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They didn't snack and graze, and they didn't have pantries full of chips and cookies and snack packs. They couldn't bop into a gas station for a protein bar. They didn't eat every two to three hours. Were they incapable of stable blood sugar? No, of course not. And think even further back than that. Our Paleolithic ancestors might have eaten one meal a day or gone several days without eating because they were hunter-gatherers. Were they incapable of stable blood sugar? No. No. We eat too often. We eat too much. I've done a lot of episodes on blood sugar and blood sugar instability here on the podcast. So searching blood sugar on primalpotential.com would give you tons more in terms of the science of this. But the answer to do we have to eat every two to three hours to maintain our blood sugar is no. Jen on Instagram asked, Well, actually, she starts out with a statement. Then she goes to her question. She says, I tend to have difficulty with the whole eating in moderation thing. Do you think it's possible to change that mindset? Or should I just acknowledge that's not how I'm made up and move on? I absolutely think that it is possible for you to change that mindset. But it comes from changing your mindset. Where a lot of people, and again, that goes back to that common sense approach thing. Some people want to change their all or nothing mindset. But they continue to argue for the fact that they have an all-or-nothing mindset. To change your mind, you've got to change your mind. She and I went back and forth a couple times on Instagram, and I was like, of course it's possible. And she said, well, I've been reading the book The Four Tendencies, and I think that that has made me feel like maybe I should just accept that this is the way I am. For those of you that haven't read The Four Tendencies, let me give you an unfair cliff notes version. Basically, it says there are different personality types. And some people are rule followers and some people are rule breakers. But I really believe that even the author of The Four Tendencies would agree with me that we are capable of change, right? Here is how I think about this. Every day you wake up with a blank slate. Is it easy to step into the same familiar patterns? Yes. Are you incapable of doing something different? No, of course not. You are what you choose to be in every moment, period. When something feels hard, 99.9% of the times, it's because you're not practiced. So, what have you practiced more? Eating in moderation or not eating in moderation? Well, the answer is obvious, not eating in moderation in that situation, right? You are not a victim of your past patterns. Everyone can change their behavior if you're willing to do the work, if you're willing to put in the practice, Another question came in via an Instagram comment, and there was a bunch of comments about food and whatnot, and somebody said, what does it look like when you have a bad day? And the context is like a bad food day, so bad eating day. It says, what does it look like when you have a bad day? If ever, you always sound so motivated and positive. I'm guessing you don't feel like talking about it if you have bad days or that you become so strong that you're able to avoid them. I know you used to binge a lot. Have you ever had a relapse since you stopped? How do you avoid it in bad times? How do you turn it around? So do I ever indulge? Yeah, and I talk about that very openly, you know, that I, I enjoy a margarita and a Bloody Mary from time to time or a glass of red wine, a red velvet cupcake. I love ice cream. I also overeat from time to time. Here's the thing, though. That doesn't make it a bad day. So do I have bad days? Yes, but they are unrelated to food. Do I have days where I overeat or think, ugh, wish I hadn't done that? Sure. Is that a bad day? No. A bad day is when I'm insensitive or snarky and I hurt somebody I love. There's nothing about alcohol or food That has the power to give me a bad day. And the reverse is also true, guys. There's nothing about eating clean that makes my day good. A good day for me is about so much more than food. Thank God. It didn't used to always be that way, though. And I think that's a huge part of the work that I've done on mindset that's so important. I don't get hung up on the food side of things. I really want to take great care of myself, and I definitely am infinitely more consistent in that regard than ever in my life, and that is my desire. It used to be that my desire was very much for overeating and overindulging. It's not anymore. My desire is for really taking great care of myself. So there's a couple other questions within this question. The first part of it being the quality of my days, good and bad, has nothing to do with my food choices, As for the idea of a relapse, and because this person is asking about me, this is my personal perspective. If you have a different perspective, that's cool. It's true for you. This is what's true for me. I don't think it's possible for me to relapse with food. That doesn't mean it's not possible for me to overeat, right? But the idea of relapse is not something that resonates with me that I would ever feel I will probably have days where I eat cleaner and days where I eat less clean for my whole entire life. And I want it to be that way, right? Like, I want to have days where I enjoy a drink and dessert for sure. That doesn't make it a bad day, right? And there will probably be periods of time where I eat super clean and I'm crazy consistent and there will probably be intermittent days where I'm like, hey, E.B., dial back, you overdid it a little bit. But that's not a relapse, I don't see it that way at all. I feel really good about how I make food choices, and what I feel best about, I think, is that I'm really quick to realize when I'm doing things that don't make me feel my best, and I'm eager to get back to feeling amazing because I've chosen to string together such a strong pattern of days and weeks and months where I feel really great that I'm quick to be like, I want to feel better. So I call it overeating. There's nothing relapse about it. Now, if I stopped paying attention to myself altogether and put 160 pounds on, that would be a real problem. But I would call it a choice. I wouldn't call it a relapse. And because I'm paying attention, I am 1 trillion percent confident that that'll never happen. As far as the other part of the question was, how do you avoid overeating or binging uh on in bad times? I talked about this a lot especially in my groups and you know for people who think I always sound positive and motivated, I think anybody that works closely with me in one of my groups knows that I share I share the stress days, the emotional days and I really give my clients insight into how I actually work through those moments. So inside my master's club, inside my 12-week to transformation groups, there are, which used to be called the Fat Loss Fast Track for those that are like, huh? Um, There are daily coaching notes. And sometimes they're just messages of motivation. But there's also a good number of times where it's like, hey, this is a tough moment that I had. This is a situation I was in. And here's how I worked through it. And oftentimes, I do that in the moment. So it's as much for my clients as it is for me. So I do definitely share days where I don't feel motivated and how I handle that. I remember recently sharing something along the lines of, it was probably a couple months ago, but there was a day where I didn't want to do something that I had said I was going to do. So instead of come on Elizabeth just do it or I'm going to give myself a break, I'm not going to do it, screw it, I'll be better tomorrow. I made myself do double of whatever it was. Instead of like giving up on myself or forcing myself into it, I just raised the bar. Instead of backing down, I'll press on and and go even harder, which isn't always the strategy, but that was something that I shared within my group. So the I have unmotivated days. I have days where I'm not feeling very positive, but I understand that I don't want to stay there. So I'm going to be very proactive about bringing myself to a different situation. How do I avoid it when emotions are high? I share a lot, not just on the podcast. Well, I mean, not just with my groups, but I think I've talked about this a handful of times on the podcast too that in some of the darkest times of my life, I've been super honest with myself to say, hey, look, you've got a choice here. You can either make this super stressful period of time or this super stressful day better or worse. You can betray yourself and make choices that make you feel worse, or you can be militantly on your own side and make choices that make you feel better. That is what it is. So that's one thing that I'm always very mindful of. I also really practice identifying what's worth it and what's not. For example, my boyfriend and I eat very differently. Uh, He, you know, just kind of, he's a tall guy and he can basically, at this point, eat very much what he wants and still feel really good and be cool with how he looks. Great. I'm not here to change him. But routinely, he'll be like, oh, try this, have a bite of this. And not in a pressure way, but just in wanting to share something with me. And I'm quick to be like, man, it's not worth it. Now, sometimes I'm like, oh, that does look amazing. And I want to have a bite of it. But I'm very practiced in thinking about what's worth it and what's not worth it. Having a bite of his Cuban sandwich, for me, not worth it. Having a bite of his chili, for me, not worth it. If he gets a cocktail that looks amazing, I might try a sip. That might be worth it. But in every moment, with every indulgence, I'm thinking... Is it worth it? Is it not? I also bring my focus every single day, and my clients know this. I am a very committed journaler. I begin my day every single day by asking myself what I can do to win that day, how I can take great care of myself, what I can do to make the day amazing, So one of the biggest things that has made a huge difference in getting through stressful moments and managing emotion is that I take great care of myself and I prioritize that and it's not an intention. I am very, very specific about it and I can do this in 60 seconds in the morning, ask myself, all right, what can I do today to take great care of myself? What does that look like? And then follow through. The more I take care of myself, the more I want to take care of myself, and the less I want to betray myself and make myself feel crappy with my choices. So I work out regularly. I really prioritize sleep. I journal. I meditate. I try as best I can to be very consistent with great food choices and not overeating, even when it's good quality food. And maybe most importantly, I'm not a dick to myself anymore. I'm kind to myself. My goal is not to avoid indulging. And maybe yours is. And that's cool. Bravo. Awesome. Fantastic. Not my goal. My goal is to make sure I'm making choices that make me feel really, really great. And when I make a choice that doesn't make me feel great, I'm not dramatic about it. I'm not a jerk to myself about it. I'm on to the next moment where I can take great care of myself. Instead of being like, oh my gosh, why did I do that? That sucks. What's wrong with me? Here we go again. Because that doesn't help and it only makes me feel worse. I'm just very objective about, all right, so how can I make myself feel better? Next question. Do you have an opinion on niacin or B3 supplements? It is going to be very rare for me to have a general opinion that applies to the masses. When it comes to supplementation, and really when it comes to food in general, it's very, very specific. My first question, if somebody was saying to me, should I take niacin? Should I take B3? My question would be, why do you feel like you need to? What benefit are you looking to derive from it? Have you considered the ways that you could get this from food? Those answers... The answers to those questions would be what determines my opinion on if it's a good thing for them or not. Next question. This person asked, I know that small steps can make change easier, but is it possible that for some people, taking a big leap makes more sense and works better? Yeah, absolutely. Know thyself, right? That is my number one mantra. Do what works for you. Here's the thing, too. Take it day by day. Some days, you might feel capable of a big sweeping change. And other days, you might feel like what you can handle is a baby step. It's not a religion, right? It's not you either commit to dramatic change or you commit to baby steps. Every single day is a blank slate. And we have more capacity on some days than others. We have more motivation on some days than others. We have greater motivating motivating factors in our lives at some periods than others. Every day, I think it comes down to what am I able and willing to do today? If today you're willing to take a huge leap, fantastic. If for the next 100 days you're willing to take a huge leap, fantastic. If for today you're willing to take a small baby step and tomorrow it's a huge leap, cool. If it's baby steps from here till eternity, that's cool too. All right, the next question comes from Instagram. I would love to hear your personal tools for self-preservation in a negative environment. How do you not absorb negative energy of those you love? Of course, I can ignore the people and things that don't matter to me, but when it comes to loved ones or people I live with, I'm finding this particularly challenging. I choose to see the positive in everything, but I'm also sensitive to energy, good and bad. The most successful strategy is distance and ignoring them, but that's judgmental. In the sea of complaints, I recently asked my boyfriend if he thought he could turn his mindset around and he said no. So she wants to know my tips for handling negative people, especially the people you love. My number one thing is, I don't assume that my way is the right way. The reason that a lot of people get so flustered is because they think that being negative or complaining is the wrong way, and being positive or having a growth mindset is the right way. There's the right way for me, and the right way for me is not complaining, and I certainly feel happier that way. But who am I to tell somebody I love that they shouldn't do that? Here's the other important part of it. I wasn't always that way, and we all come to this at different seasons, and I would hate for somebody to have been so annoyed with me because I just wasn't there yet then, and they can't push me. They can't rush me just because they want me to be someplace else, and so that gives me a great deal of empathy when I'm dealing with other people in my life. Now, sure, I get annoyed, but at the end of the day, my biggest tool is it is Just as wrong for me to feel like they should do it my way as it is for me to get upset if somebody else is pushing me to do things their way. For example, if I have an issue with somebody saying, Elizabeth, eat this, eat this, eat this, and I'm like, why can't you just accept that I'm not going to? Stop pushing food in my face. Well, I can't then push somebody else to be more positive, I'm not their coach. I have to accept people where they are. And it's not their work to catch up to my level. It's my work to be more patient in my life. What we often do that stresses us out is we're trying to coach our loved ones, our spouses, because we want them to be more evolved like we are. We want them to be more positive. We want them to be whatever it is. But the work is really ours. The work is ours to stop expecting that others are going to see things the way that we do. Because that, you use the word judgmental, and I think that it's spot on. Everybody in my life right now, I think, is so strategically there with the exception of a few people with whom I feel very much on the same wavelength. But a lot of the people closest to me right now are on totally different mental and emotional bandwidths than I am. And I would be a miserable human if I thought my job was to change them. If I feel like they need to change something, it is a huge flag that I'm the one that needs to do the work. My way isn't the right way, right? It's just... I had a conversation with my master's club members not that long ago, maybe a couple days ago, talking about my work ethic. Well, just because I work the way I work and I am tenacious the way that I am tenacious and I have standards for myself in terms of productivity that I have, that doesn't mean that everybody else should have those standards. In fact, I'm open to the fact that my way of working is wrong. So I totally respect that some people are going to be way more chill about their work. Doesn't make them wrong, it also doesn't make me wrong. The same thing is true in terms of complaining. The same thing is true in terms of politics. The same thing is true in terms of growth mindset versus fixed mindset. So that is my biggest tool. And the other thing, and I sent this out in the VIP email. If you guys didn't see Sunday's VIP email, it was one that I really, really loved writing. And it was about one of my mantras, which is travel light. You don't have to take things so seriously. You don't have to take it so seriously that your boyfriend doesn't want to change his perspective about whatever bad day that he had, right? I talked about in that email how... Nagar Fanuni, somebody I follow on Instagram, had basically said that she looks for people in her life who remind her that lightness and frivolity are always available to her. You can choose to not take things so seriously. And so I practice that all the time. I don't have to get mad about that. It doesn't have to irritate me. I can laugh at myself, I can laugh at you. I don't have to get flustered over every damn thing. So people think differently. People talk differently. People behave differently. If I'm getting worked up over all of that and I'm getting irritated by that, that's my problem, not theirs. Next question. Uh, What is one mindset change? You know what? Before we move on, just something came to mind that's a specific example related to How do you handle different negative energy? I'll give a very, very personal and specific example of something that happened. So I was at Starbucks working on my book that has been a very challenging process, the book. It, it's it's not an easy endeavor by any stretch of the imagination, a lot of which has to do with my personal standards for a book that changes the world. That's another story. So I'm at Starbucks and I text my boyfriend and I say, hey, if you're in the area, swing by, grab a cup of coffee with me before you go do whatever, whatever. So he comes in and he's not there for like 30 seconds and he says, how's the book coming? And I said, slow. And he said, well, you shouldn't have started over. You should have gone with your first draft. And he wasn't particularly like warm about it. He was <laughs> kind of said it with an attitude because I had written 270 pages and then I said, you know what? I don't like the direction this is going and I want to start over. And his perspective in that moment was, you're struggling because you chose struggle and you should have stuck with the first draft. And my perspective is very much, I want it to be amazing. And if it takes 10,000 drafts before it's amazing, then I will happily work on all 10,000 of them. And in that moment, I realized I can be pissed off that he doesn't get it. But all that means is he doesn't have my perspective. Well, I don't want my life to be filled with people who think exactly like I think and who respond exactly how I respond because that would be really boring and I wouldn't be challenged. So in that moment, I just said, well, you know what, when you write your book, you can submit your first draft. And as I'm writing mine, I'm going to write as many drafts as I feel I need. And it was just a a very genuine moment of choosing to be lighthearted about it. I could have, really, you walk in here and you're going to criticize the way I'm choosing. Dude, I'm not going to get worked up over every little thing. Because if I do, I'm going to be miserable. And I don't want to be miserable. Next question. What is one mindset change that has helped you? Not that long ago, I wrote a five-part, five-day blog series on five mindset shifts that changed my life. If you have not read those five blogs, I think you'll really enjoy them. I will link to them in the show notes, but I will share one of them because this question is about what one mindset changed helped me. The big thing, and I wrote more in detail in the blog, again, those will be linked up on the show notes, is that I don't have to keep searching for the answers. I have everything that I need. The mindset shift that really set me free to do the work instead of searching, 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 and starting over, starting over is, look, I don't need to know more. I don't need a new idea. I don't need a new approach. I don't need a new strategy. I don't need a new plan. I don't need to read another book. I just need to be consistent with what I already know. And the constant seeking is a distraction from action, I I needed to stop looking outside of me for answers in the world and start looking inside me for answers in my head and in my heart. It's not about what I know. It's about what I do. And if I feel unmotivated, I don't need a song. I don't need a book. I don't need a podcast. I don't need a new diet. I need to create motivation. I need to be the change. I don't need anything more coming in. I need more going out. I need less, not more. Action and taking action on what I already know versus just searching, searching, searching. Consistent action. That was a big one. Next question. Would you recommend a certain quantity of protein and fat per day for a person? How much per pound of body weight? No, I wouldn't. And there are a few reasons for that. And I talk about that in a handful of episodes on the podcast. I think maybe 62 and 329, though don't quote me on those numbers if you if you aren't sure, um, shoot me an email or leave a comment on the show notes. First and foremost, recommending a certain amount of protein and fat per pound of body weight implies that we should hit the same targets every single day. And I fundamentally don't support that for most people. Like if you want to do that, and it works for you, it makes you feel amazing. Awesome. Would I suggest it? No, because our needs are different. If we are more active, if we are more stressed, if we are at a different point in our menstrual cycle, if we haven't been sleeping, if we have been working out more, if we're fighting a bug, our needs vary. Some days we're super hungry. Some days we're not hungry at all. So that's one reason. The other thing is I don't think it has to be that complicated. And also our bodies and our needs change. And some people are going to do better with more veggies, more fat, lower protein, lower starch. And other people are going to do better with more protein, moderate fat, lighter on the veggies, and a little bit more starch. Everybody is different, and everybody changes. And so to say that there are these calculations that we can just slap on everybody, i don't I don't think that's responsible., uh, let's see here. Would you touch on fear of missing out when traveling? Uh, in terms of balancing goals and still wanting to experience new cultures and foods. I don't want to miss out, but I don't want my goals to take a back seat. I have done a lot of episodes on this, so I'm going to list out some episode numbers. If you want some ideas on fear of missing out when traveling and not just throwing caution to the wind and doing whatever you want, episodes 461, episode 462, episode 177, and episode 95. In those four episodes, 461, 462, 177, and 95, I talk very specifically about travel. From there, I would say, what are your ideas? If you could look at this upcoming vacation and balancing culture and experience with still pursuing your goals, start with you. What would that look like? What would it look like to enjoy what you want to joy, enjoy and also pursue your goals? I am certain that if you and I were sitting down face to face and you said, I don't know how to balance, you know, not wanting to miss out and experience the culture, but, you know, I also don't want to miss out on my goals. And I said, all right, well, what would it look like? What's that middle ground look like where you're still experiencing the culture, but you're also pursuing your goals? I don't believe for one second. That if we were sitting face to face, you wouldn't have some ideas there. That is where it begins. That is absolutely where it begins. And I really think we have to challenge ourselves to say, well, what could this look like for me? What is an improvement for me? There are a million different tactical strategies like dessert or alcohol, but not both. The golden rules of carbs and fat loss, et cetera. All of that stuff is very real, but it does begin with your perspective and also you being a creative, energetic problem solver. What would it look like? for me to have both? What would it look like for me to pursue an an improvement for me when it comes to travel? How could I enjoy food but also not cross the line? Where is that tipping point between, I feel like I tasted it, I've experienced it, and where does it tip into, I went too far, right? Those are the kinds of questions that I want you to think about. And then, of course, you can listen to episodes 461, 462, 177, and or 95. All right, we did it, under 40 minutes, fantastic reminder that the wait list for the fall 12 Weeks to Transformation group is now open, you can find that link in the show notes for today's episode or on the Work With Me tab right off the homepage on primalpotential.com upper right-hand corner. Or if you are in the United States, just text the word FALL18, that's F-A-L-L-1-8, no space, to the number 33444. So the number you're texting it to is 33444, and you're just typing in FALL18. When it responds and says, what's your email address? just put your email address, not like a, hi, blah, blah, blah. It only can read your email address. And if you put in a bunch of other stuff, a smiley face, a wink, a nod, a thumbs up, it's not going to capture your email address. All right. Loved these questions. Don't forget, if you have a question and you didn't yet get it to me, no sweat. I'm still here. Leave a comment on the show notes. DM me or comment on Instagram at Elizabeth Benton or send me an email. I'll talk to you guys soon. Have a great day. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now, and the best partner is the one who can deliver.